So I won't keep you too long, but I uh, want to talk about the album and get your opinion on a couple things and talk about a mutual friend of ours. I guess we should start with the uh, with the album, which I um, absolutely love. I love the last album, too, to different direction than the last album. I almost feel like this album should be called Revenge of the Vengeance. Like, this album is a lot of a lot of It seems like there's some coming out of you guys. Revenge of the Vengeance. I love that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I literally, I've been getting that so much, and I, I keep saying, like, I don't, I don't feel like we were trying to be vengeful. It's not like we we're, we're trying to make anybody mad we're just like <laughs> going. but uh yeah i mean we we yeah we knew what we needed to do we went on like a spiritual journey so to say on the last record and you know like existentially looked at what we were doing and like this time it's like wait a second you know what like we know what we're good at let's just do that <laughs> back to the meat and potatoes so to speak exactly exactly Although I do love that there are some some elements of the last album that, like I said, I was a fan of the self-titled album, and and it's still cool to get some of those elements in there, some of the the more uh, I guess creepy, if you want to say, elements in in the album, and some of the slower parts that make the heavier parts that much more heavy with Serena Bean yeah. and Skin Tight and those kind of songs. Totally, yeah. I mean, we it's funny in our heads, like all of our records have like some sort of dynamic where like there's a there's a there's a softer song on that record to us but like after doing the last record we went a little softer you know obviously still was super brutal but you gotta have some sort of dynamic to it you gotta have that that the, the bottom of the hill and then just <laughs> climb back up to just freaking drop all the way back down and yeah i mean we're we're always gonna have some sort of what Suicide Sounds would consider a ballad, which is still extremely excruciating. <laughs> yeah, I don't expect any power ballads coming up anytime soon. But, uh, you know, speaking of uh, of tunes on the album, one I'm always curious about, I personally love being a radio guy and being a DJ, an all-instrumental tune, but I'm always curious how a tune like Meltdown ends up on an album. Is that kind of like leftover riffs that never turned into a song, or how did that little instrumental kind of because we were always trying to figure out like what's the best way to open a record you know like you could have the creepy ambient intro and then it just gets all brutal uh you know you can go straight just ripping out of the gate you know we've done all these different ways of like how do you just grab attention right away and with this one it was like well why don't we have this a spooky intro and you know a real short but simple effective instrumental that kind of you know is a summation of what you're about to you know enjoy so it's like and that's really what we try to do is write a short song that literally had almost all of the elements of the record musically minus vocals like a, almost like a uh, uh, like a commercial for the album before like this is what you're going to get oh yeah and we knew we knew that we were going to release that as like a teaser so that like when people heard it and there wasn't any vocals especially since people you know had so much to say about our vocals <laughs> on the last record let's release an instrumental track that's super brutal but doesn't have vocals and just kind of like troll everyone for like at least a day and then give them a song <laughs> with vocals <laughs> I love it, man. It, you know, it, it almost got me thinking about like uh, Judas Priest, the Helion and Electric Eye, like that little like intro piece to it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think. Oh, dude, I was just watching something about that too. There's a there's a Scorpion song that uh that it's like a yours is ours is. I don't know. If it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of like it's super similar to a, a Scorpion song. I was just listening to that. I'm convinced that uh, Papa Roach owes Iron Maiden a sandwich for uh, Last Resort. That riff they took from. Uh, tune called Infinite Dreams on the Seventh Sun album. Oh, I gotta, I gotta go and listen to it. I'm sure. Listen. I'm sure. Iron Maiden had, Iron Maiden and Black Sabbath had all the riffs before Metallica 
uh, <laughs> or anybody had them, you know? Pantera maybe threw some into the pile, but I'm pretty sure it's like that. <laughs> I made no way. Hey, you know, one other thing I wanted to ask you about the album and, and kind of in contrast to the uh, to the last album, the self-titled Five Dudes on the Cover with the logo behind them. This album cover, the band not on there, which I kind of expected you're going to do the opposite, but not even the band name listed on the album. Dude, I know. Yeah, we just do our own thing. You know, we we looked at it last record. We're like, let's just put ourselves on it with the logo, and that's it. And then this one is like, let's not even put the logo on the, on the album cover. <laughs> Truthfully, I mean, we live in like a digital world where you know people are going to be listening to it on Spotify or Apple Music, and right. you know, people will people will get the record, and it's cool, and it's and it's cool that they have it. But most people are going to be looking at it on. On, you know, a Spotify app, and you're going to look, it's going to say Suicide Silence in the song title. The image yeah. doesn't have to have the logo on it. The image can just be a badass, you know, image. And where did that image come from? Did you design it, create it? Who, who did that? Adrian Baxter, this awesome artist from England, did it. And he just does, like, kind of this occult, you know, it's it's a mood, you know. It's got like I, I don't really know anybody else that does stuff like him. And if you go look up Andrew Baxter, you'll just see like, oh yeah, that's definitely the dude that did that that art. <laughs> so did you give him any direction, or did you just kind of? We initially had a totally different idea for it. We kind of backpedaled, and once we saw Adrian's work, we we're like, hey, let's just take a lot of imagery from stuff that we've done in the past and kind of use it as like symbols and like you know if you know the band and you look at it you'll see certain things i mean the reaper and the scythe and all that stuff is on the black crown the geometry the triangles the infinite triangles which is kind of like an ode to the uh, Ouroboros that we did on you can't stop me which is you know an infinite triangle Ouroboros is infinite i mean it, we gave him all kinds of direction and he just ran with it and like the first thing he did we're like damn that's that's above and beyond. This is perfect. Man, I can't wait. And, and obviously, with everything going on right now, not a whole lot we can talk, but I'm uh, super bummed and, and hoping that the uh, tour with Ginger gets rescheduled at some point, maybe in the fall or whenever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're still, we don't know if it's, what's going to happen with touring, but us and our agents, we're putting together a tour for the U.S. if we can in September. You know, like we're we're trying to figure out how to make it happen. And I'm down to just say, hey, we're probably going to do that if we can. But if it doesn't, you know, so be it. And uh, Ginger, for sure. It's not our headliner, so I don't know exactly what they're doing. But I do know that they're waiting to make an announcement once they have the rescheduled date. Because, I mean, that's supposed to start in like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Well, the September one you're talking about, would that be a, a headlining run for you or, or co-headline yeah. or what are you thinking? Yeah, for sure. It'd be a headliner. All smaller markets that wouldn't interfere with uh, Ginger if that happens in, say, like November. That makes sense. And get a get, get stretch out a little bit before going on the, the Ginger tour. Speaking of touring, you know, pretty much this year, a lot of the touring for Become the Hunter, I imagine, is going to take place in 2021 at this point. You know, doing some math here and going, okay, if 2020 and 2021 is all about Become the Hunter and the new album, I don't know, is... Suicide Silence, the type of band that would go back and maybe do, like, in 2022, do a uh, cleansing 15th anniversary type tour. Oh, man. Well, we did a 10-year anniversary of it, and that was in, what, 2017? Yeah, we did it at the end of 2017. I don't think we'll ever do another anniversary tour again. 
truthfully. I think anniversary tours are pretty cool if, like, that's if the band is really into doing it. But it kind of feels like, dude, just, like, get some new stuff and, like, let everybody know that it's like, hey, we're, we're celebrating this album, but we got new music. Like, I don't know. Henry Rollins said it. He's like, I don't ever want to be the band that's doing a 25-year anniversary. Like, just kill me if that's what's happening. <laughs> like, I kind of I I agree, you know? It's, like, so not punk rock. Right. Always be looking forward rather than, than backwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I get that. I get that. And I can, can appreciate that. But I do want to look backwards and, and talking to you for a few minutes and uh, yeah. being an IE guy, an IE band, got to talk about really kind of, the, I guess, the birthplace of Suicide Silence and uh, the Showcase Theater and Corona and looking for some uh, early memories from there. I imagine that's where you met Mitch and, and uh, Garza. Yeah, 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 it totally was. The Showcase was the reason why I could miss my curfew when I was in high school. <laughs> and I would, I'd be able to say, because my parents were supporters of me, like being in bands and playing shows and being a part of that. So I'd be like, I'm going to the showcase, even if I wasn't, so I could get home at like two in the morning. <laughs> I, was always, I was always at the showcase because grew up in Temecula. It's like 30 minutes away. And uh, yeah, I saw Suicide Sounds for the first time at showcase. I must have been 15. I think all of them were like 17. They were opening for like God Forbid and Scar Symmetry, 2003, 2004. Wow. Yeah, I'll always say, I was like, you know, the band's okay, but dude, that singer, I remember that show, just like, that singer was so sick. Like, he, <laughs> he had some gnarly just ism to him. You know, he had it, you know? If I've ever seen what it is, like, Mitch had it. You know, he was in the pit after they played, and, and I mean, it was just like, dude, yeah, I remember seeing Mitch and seeing that the, for the first time, you know, way before I ever actually knew him. And he used to work there. Yeah, everybody in Suicide Sounds used to work there. Like, uh, <laughs> just like, you know, at least work the back door, make sure nobody snuck in or anybody that, you know, needed to get in for free. Because there was always kind of a free list that showcased. Like, right. If you if you were in local bands, that's what made the showcase so great. It was like your home, you know. It's like, oh, like, I got a show here in three weeks. Can I come to the show for free and give flyers? And like Joe and, and, and everybody at the showcase was like, oh, yeah, of course. Just come say what band you're in. You're in for free. Yeah, it's like a second home, really. It was amazing. Everybody always says, like, we got to get the show case open again we gotta get the showcase open again i'm like i would love that but i'm so afraid to like watch how like it wouldn't be what it used to be yeah <laughs> for someone out there it would be what they need it to be so there, there's there's that i almost kind of feel like it's it's the ie cbgb <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? oh, yeah how did you become a part of suicide silence when did you join the band oh man truth I quit the band that I was in before Suicide Silence. We were called From Agony Within. Quit that band, creative differences kind of stuff. I was 17, and I wasn't in a band, and I was kind of willing to do it. I'm like, I'm not going to be in a band. I'm not going to start a band. I'm just going to see what options there are. Totally meant to be. It was like this sink, and I was at a buddy of mine's house. But he was on MySpace, and he goes, Hey, Mark, uh, Suicide Silence just put a post out that uh, their guitar player quit, and he's going to go to college, and they're having open tryouts. And I was like, hmm. All right, well, I kind of know those guys. Like, I got a couple of their numbers, and I just hit them up. and was like, hey, can I try out? And then my dad gave me a ride to Mike Bodkin's, the original bass player's house, and then we in Marietta, and then we drove to Corona. I tried out, and I didn't get the gig right away. They're like, we're going to play a show in two weeks, and uh, you can play that show, and if you do good, then you, you got the gig. And uh, so I played that show, and then I got the gig. <laughs> was it at the showcase? No, it was actually at the Whiskey. Ah, I was super bummed. I, I missed the two little uh, shows you guys did over the past, I don't know, six months or whatever. The uh, Chain Reaction and then the um, the uh, Slide Bar. 
Yeah, no, those were sweet shows. Yeah, but, I mean, and that that chain show <clears throat> was the same night as Slayer. Yeah. That's where, like, that's where you probably were. I was at Slayer that night, and I was super bummed to miss the show, but it's like, how do you not say goodbye to Slayer after all these years? And curious for you, just if you had to, if you had to guess, if you're a betting man, what do you think the odds are they come back, Slayer comes back? You think it's better than 50% chance they come back? Okay, so I'm sure you can look it up, and it's going around, so I'm not spoiling anything. People, have, I've read, I discovered this myself, so people have caught Kerry King's pick on that farewell tour and his pick said King 2020 and that tour was in 2019. So I think that that is alluding to the fact that Kerry King has a project that he's going to maybe, maybe not now because of what's going on in 2020, but I think that Kerry King's got something up his sleeve. That's what I think. I think Slayer's probably done. You don't think they'll come back at some point, do like a one-off show or some big festival or something? I don't know. If they do, it'll be unfortunate, and they w- they can't just go play one show because that's a, a big middle finger to everything they did with their farewell. It's like, yeah. well, you're going to go play one show. If they're going to come back, they're going to probably come back. But I don't know. I don't think I don't think it'll happen. I don't think Tom feels the same way that he did about Slayer. I think that's why he you know he wanted to call it. I think he he grew up. He's seen it all. He's a freaking grandfather now. <laughs> You know, I'm pretty sure he's like a newfound Christian or whatever you want to call it. Like, I know it's just like being disconnected from, you know, Slayer is not a Christian dude's band. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And I had read that, you know, he, he loves to headbang while playing and he's had tons of surgeries and it's gotten to the point now where he can't headbang and play. Yeah. And I think that may be factored into it as well. That can't be fun. No. Speaking of that chain reaction show going down uh, the same night as the Slayer, uh, a band that you guys have turned me on to and I've now become friends with. I saw them open for you at the uh, observatory when the self-titled album came out, became a fan, and now buzz with uh, Brandon Mendenhall and the Mendenhall Experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. Yeah, they're great. Obviously, crazy, inspiring story with his... Uh Bell's palsy and everything like that. I mean, they've become like a family friend of ours because uh, not only do we know Brandon, but their new guitar player, I guess he's not new anymore, is our other guitar player, Chris Garza's best friend from like growing up, Alex Zimmer. Alex has kind of always just been, you know, band brother and now he's in Mendenhall Experiment and that's you know because we met Brandon and Brandon was like we need a guitar player like dude Alex should be in that band so I mean it's just great it's cool like I hope we can do more stuff and take them on tour and just see what they're gonna do and I I really believe like they've got the potential to you know crack that like radio rock you know single or something and and really really blow up yeah I mean I'm I'm certainly playing them at every uh, twist and turn I get and and supporting them and and love Brandon and just as a human being he's just such a great dude super cool did you meet him from just him showing up at shows and hanging out backstage and first time i met brandon he approached me we were flyering for a show did it as like a fun thing we're like hey we haven't flyered in a long time like i don't remember what show it was we made flyers we went to chain reaction and flyered and just like you know (laughs) hung out with people (laughs) it was pretty funny what year are we talking oh god this is only like three or four years ago 
<laughs> like flyer and to be retro and funny. Yeah, we just wanted to do it. It was that. It was that. Like, okay, I think it was on a Casey Strain show and like fit for an autopsy or something like that. And it was like you know these friends of ours that we've been doing this stuff for a long time. We all remember flyering, so we're like, dude, we should go flyer at the Casey Strain show. And that's when Brandon approached whoever. I think I was with. Uh, Dan Kenny. He came up and he just wanted to talk and hang out and he told us about his band and next thing I think we just kind of kept running into him and seeing and then we went and saw his band play and yeah it just kind of just the way the scene works you know networking and he just became another like you know cool dude that you know you see around and yeah I mean he's just got enthusiasm you know he's he's not afraid to walk up and say what's up to people you know which is yeah. freaking awesome. <laughs> it's infectious I think. Yeah yeah he's, he's great. He's, he's like it's the same way with everyone in that band too like they all have this just like yeah yeah, you know, like it's the way that a band needs to be. They're all cool. <laughs> yeah, well, they all follow. I think Brandon Sudi, I think he kind of sets the table and everyone kind of has that same attitude and vibe about them. For sure, for sure. Hey, one old thing I wanted to ask you about uh, going back a, a ways to the uh, Revolver Golden God Awards mm, and, yeah. and doing that set in that suit. <laughs> was that the worst decision you you guys had ever made at his band? Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty dumb. <laughs> <laughs> It was hard to do, but I mean, it was cool. You know, it, it, looking back on it, it was definitely worth it. You know, it, it, was, it was a fun thing to do, and definitely everybody talked about it, and, you know, it, it got the point across. But at the same time, like, playing guitar with that suit coat and, like, the coat's touching your strings, and it's just like nothing's normal. I'm used to not having sleeves on at all when I'm playing. So it's like just everything was off about that. I think I think Mitch, like, ripped his shirt from doing, like, the style of headbang he was doing with his arms out and all that. I feel bad for Alex trying to play drums in the suit. <laughs> Dude. I know. I think he was the only person that didn't get fitted either. Like he wore like his own suit that he had and it was like not not didn't really work out that great. Oh man. Any highlights from that night other than sweating and the and the difficulty playing, but any any run ins, anyone come up to you and be like anyone that you had looked up to and been like, Hey, great show or anything, any 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 standout moments like that for you? Considering that was two thousand eight, we had really just begun to like ever be around any of our idols, you know, so all that stuff super fresh for us and that was amazing that was insane the best one of all of that was Lenny oh was, yeah Lenny was there and he met my mom wow <laughs> yeah you know my mom met Lenny <laughs> like that's that's freaking cool but yeah he was just hanging out that was that was that's my most fond memory but I guess well <laughs> okay Vinny, Vinny Paul oh the first time we met Vinny Paul and he told Alex <laughs> it was so funny. He told Alex, he's like, man, I like your uh, your one-handed drum roll. Like a blast beat's a one-handed drum roll. I'm playing a super fast drum beat. He's like, I like your one-handed drum rolls. We're like, dude, that's so crazy, Vinny Paul. I mean, like your one-handed drum roll. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm so, still trying to process him being gone, man. It's been a year, year plus now, but it's crazy that he's gone. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really compute, you know? It's like Dime was already so crazy, and then to like lose Vinny so young is just not that still hasn't really settled it's going to be used to both of them gone you're a Pantera fan what do you how do you come down on the whole rumor about Zach and, and Phil and Rex going out and I don't know Charlie Benante or whoever on drums like how do you feel about that being a Pantera fan are you for it against it in between what's your thoughts on that whole topic 
I'm more for it than anything. I mean, I say, why not do it? I do think that it would be cooler to see it as, like, big-time appearances on big festivals, but, like, doing that in, like, clubs and, like, taking it around and playing too many shows with it, I don't really know. And I kind of think, because Phil and his illegal band, they did on, you know, Slayer. The Slayer, yeah. They played Pantera songs. They did clubs in South America. I kind of think Phil might be kind of like greasing it up and getting it ready to do like a more proper, you know, reunion kind of thing. I kind of think that there's more to that story than, you know, we know right now. And I'm, I bet they're planning on doing it. Oh, you know what? I just had an idea. My math could be off, but I think Vulgar might have been 92. Yeah, I think so, too. 90. Yeah, it was night. Yeah, 92. Because I think 94 was Far Beyond Driven, right? Yeah. 92, then that means the 30th anniversary is in two years? Yeah, yeah. That'd be a good excuse to go out and do that. It definitely would. They've been releasing the best 30th anniversary box sets and compilations and stuff. The Cowboys from Hell one and the Vulgar Display one. So awesome. And they had a couple extra tracks in there. Yeah, and and that, that song Piss. That was yep. like, forget what riff was on there. That's like, oh, that's cool. They they saved that riff for something that was on Far Beyond Driven. I forget what song it was. Hey, one last uh, question for you, Mark. Just have some some '90s fun talking about the '90s and being music fans like we are. You are you're a music fan. I'm a music fan. Ultimately, we're all music fans. But put some groups in a category, and you pick your favorite out of this grouping of bands to kind of encapsulate the '90s rock. I've I've called it the Flannel Five to get out of the uh, the metal world, so to speak a little bit, but when you really think about the early 90s, that's what was going on in the rock scene. You know, we had the big four in the 80s and thrash metal, and then I kind of feel like the next big wave was that grunge movement, which I've called the Flannel Five, so curious, your favorite out of the Flannel Five, which would be Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden, or Alice in Chains? Alice in Chains, all the way, but I would say Soundgarden is a close second, but Alice in Chains, there's something about it. It's up there with, like, you you know, Led Zeppelin caliber classic to me. You know, like Man in the Box and Wood and Nutshell, Down in a Hole. We covered them bones on uh, on our second record. Yeah, it's the best. I just went and saw them with Corn and I lost my voice. <laughs> yeah, I love what they're doing with, with William and that second guitar and kind of sludging up things and still making great records with William, too. They really are. Yeah, like I'll be the first to admit that like when they come out, like I'll check them out and just like it. But then recently, you know, just seeing them live again, they played all this new stuff and I'm like, dude, it's just it works so good live. They're so heavy. Yeah, it's like every album. There, there's always a song or two that's like, oh no, Jerry, Jerry's still writing some heavy riffs, man. He hasn't forgotten that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And the thing you forget about when you see him live is how much singing Jerry does. You always think about him and the guitar, but he he sings a ton. I think he has a double record. I, lo- I know I lost the CD. He had a solo record that came out yeah. in the 90s. Yeah, Degradation that, Trip. Degradation, that was that double record? That was a solo album, and I think that might have been, that was right after Lane passed. So it might have been like 2000s. 2000, yeah, yeah. Oh, one, that, something like that? that yeah, that, that Roadrunner release. It, yeah, it probably was early 2000s, but that, that is freaking awesome stuff, too. And that's where he got William from, apparently. Oh, really? I, yeah, I didn't know that. Because I actually saw him on that tour, and I was like, who's this dude that's, <laughs> that's doing all these lane parts? And it, it was it was William Duvall, man. It was crazy. I saw him at some festival. Dude, yeah, I, I legit, I cried the first time I saw them with William. 
they did that the, when Black Gives Way to Blue uh, at the Palladium when they had the Kabuki drop, the heart that was beating in the front of the mm-hmm. stage, and then it drops, it drops, and they started playing with Die Young, dude. I was, I was bawling. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> It's freaking amazing. Yeah. yeah, I love that band. Let me have you pick a uh, Allison Chains tune to play on the radio for us. Uh, well, because it's the radio, I'm going to choose a deep cut, the one one that doesn't always get played. Uh, the song "Sick Man." I love that song, and they, and they still play that live too. It's like the deep cut that everybody loves. Yeah, mine is "Damn That River." I love that tune. Ooh, that's what they opened with. It wasn't "Die Young." It was "Damn That River." That's what that's. And we die young. Yes, damn that river that the scaries on the wall. On the wall, yeah, mm-hmm. totally do. Good stuff, man. Mark, I appreciate all the time. Dude, you rock. Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now just hit the subscribe button. That way you get it sent to you directly. And follow me on social media at MikeZ967. Don't miss the radio show, bro. Wired in the Empire happens every Saturday night at midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks online at kcalfm.com. Adios.